0: Welcome to the Reading Teachers Playbook, a podcast for upper elementary reading teachers. I'm your host, Eva Middelis, and here we will talk about all things reading instruction, time management, and mindset. Being an upper elementary reading teacher comes with a unique set of challenges. You are tasked with helping students understand text on a deep level, preparing them for their state assessment, and remediating non-readers all while trying not to turn students off of reading altogether. You need a playbook of ideas that helps you meet the needs of all your readers and gives you tips that you can use today. I am here to be your teaching bestie, encouraging you to step out of your comfort zone and hold you accountable for the things you said you wanted to try. Together, we can cut through the noise of all things reading instruction and help you figure out what your students need most right now. Welcome to this episode of the Reading Teacher's Playbook. In this episode, we will talk about that thing that happens when you teach something and you think you've taught it well enough for students to be able to do it on their own, and then they can't actually do it on their own. I'm talking about helping students cross the bridge to independence in the literacy classroom. The purpose of this episode is to equip you with tangible steps to help students be able to independently execute the skills you teach them. If you've been around for a while, you know that I'm not a fan of winging anything because it's not a good look. Also, winging it also does not help elevate the craft of teaching. The idea that just anyone could walk in and do the job with skill and precision is misguided. Around here, we plan for the outcomes we want to see in our classrooms. That being said, here's the plan for the rest of this episode. We are going to talk about the what, the why, and the how of helping students execute the skills you've taught them independently. Let's start with the what. First, we'll define our terms. I want us to have a clear understanding of what the words skill, strategy, and independence are. Let's start by defining the word skill. A skill is a learned learned power of doing something competently, a developed aptitude or ability. The word strategy means a careful plan or method. And finally, the word independence means not dependent, not requiring or relying on something else. The definition of these three terms is important because ultimately we want to teach students strategies that will help them to independently be able to competently execute a skill as it pertains to reading. Let's recap. We talked about what our goal for our students is and that was to be able to use the strategies we teach them in order to independently execute a skill as it pertains to reading. Now let's talk about the why. So why in the world do we want to foster this specific form of independence in our students? First, we want our students to work independently of us so that we can circulate the room and meet the needs of all students. Let's face it, there's nothing worse than feeling like you can't work with students in a small group or conduct one-on-one conferences because your other students are super needy. And by needy, I mean that you can't find the an- they can't find the answer to their questions independent of you. They lack confidence and general know-how to c- execute good reading behaviors independently. Next, we want our students to be able to not just read on grade level, but to do so proficiently. This means that students need to be able to apply the skills that we've taught in our many lessons to their independent reading and any assignments that we give them. Finally, we want students to experience a measure of success that will enable them to become confident risk takers. Part of the reason that students raise their hands a million trillion times whenever they are working independently is because they don't want to risk getting an answer wrong. We want to create a culture in which mistakes are viewed as steps on the path of learning. Let's recap. We talked about what independence is, and we talked about why we want to help students cross the bridge to independence in our literacy classrooms. Now let's talk about how we do that. Let's take an airplane view of the steps needed to ensure that students can execute skills we've taught them independently. The steps I'm going to cover are, one, plan for and deliver intentional mini-lessons with time for legitimate practicing of skills. Two create ways for students to use academic vocabulary in meaningful ways within each lesson three build in time for review four build in opportunities for using resources i.e reading notebook five create an expectation of accountability by expecting students to take charge of their learning and six assign respectful tasks so let's start with number one plan for and deliver intentional mini lessons with time for legitimate practicing of skills. The reason we plan for intentional mini lessons is so that we can think through how to build in time for the intentional release of responsibility. It involves strategically thinking through the I do, we do, and you do portions of the lesson. Planning an intentional mini lesson includes implementing my four-step approach for crafting a mini lesson. I'll link my free guide in the show notes. When students practice participate in an intentionally planned mini lesson, they walk away with tangible tools for implementing what you've taught them to their own reading. Two, create opportunities for students to use academic vocabulary in meaningful ways within each lesson. One way that you can do this is by modeling the use of academic vocabulary during your mini lesson. Then give students the opportunity to do the same within the structure of sentence stems. Additionally, create a culture in which there is no opting out of using it during the mini lesson. One way I have done this is by starting the lesson by stating what the stem for that lesson will be. Then I model using it and finally remind them to use it when they share out after the we do and I do portion of the lesson. I expect them to use that same stem. If they start out responding without it, I help them rephrase their answer utilizing that STEM. Doing this allows them to get used to reading and using the academic vocabulary that is required of them. This is important for when students are completing formative and summative assessments where students have to engage with academic vocabulary. Member of the Teach Better Podcast Network, better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcasts. Now let's get. Three. Build in time for review. My favorite way to create opportunities for review was via my read aloud and guided reading or slash strategy groups. After teaching a new skill and analyzing any formative and or summative data, I decide what skills needed to be revisited via read aloud or small group instruction. This helped me to be reflective about my teaching, and it also helped me to better tune into whether students were grasping the concepts that I was teaching or not. In addition, this helps students get another touch point with this skill. When we plan a unit in advance, we tend to plan for the best case scenario in which students grasp the concepts within the one or two lessons we planned, that we planned for. Unfortunately, this doesn't always happen. And let's not forget about the ever-present pacing guides that need to be followed. Knowing that you can use small group instruction or read a lot of time, to review a skill with students will better help students cross the bridge to independence. Number four, build in opportunities for using resources, i.e., that reading notebook. I'm going to say something that may view, some may view as blasphemous, and that is that students need time to actually use those interactive reading notebooks that we so painstakingly make with our students. One way to do this is by allowing students to use them When working on independent work or when reading independently. This does two things. One, it reinforces the importance of the tool you spend so much time helping them create and two, it gives them another opportunity to review what they've learned without a lot of hand holding on your part. Now let's talk about number five, create an expectation of accountability by expecting students to take charge of their learning. One of the things you will catch me saying to students all the time is take charge of your learning i firmly believe that every student deserves the best educational experience that we can give them i also firmly believe that this does not all lie in educator hands students play a part too i would often communicate this by complimenting students who were doing what they were supposed to be doing and say thank you so and so for taking charge of your learning by Here's a list of possible things. Writing your agenda, paying attention during instruction, asking on topic questions, and taking notes during instruction. This helped create a culture of mutual responsibility. I would also communicate to students that I took my job of teaching them seriously, and I I expected them to take their job of learning seriously as well, because I would take the time to communicate this (coughs) in this way, sorry, communicate In this way, students knew that I expected them to give everything that they did their full effort. And six, assign respectful tasks. I'm going to address the elephant in the room and say that just because you taught something in a 15-minute mini lesson doesn't mean that students are ready to tackle something on their own for a grade that same day. Let's face it, some of our frustration comes from the fact that we are not assigning respectful tasks and that's the reason students aren't able to complete them independently. A task is respectful when we, say, when we can say that we have taught intentional mini-lessons that included sufficient practice. A task is respectful when students have been provided with the appropriate scaffold and feel comfortable enough to complete the formative assessment on their own. And a task is respectful when it is created in such a way that it meets the needs, meets students' needs, meaning you're respectful of students' IEPs, 504s, etc. So let's recap. We talked about the five the six steps, sorry, to bridging the gap um, to independence. This is part of the how. And they were one, plan for and deliver intentional mini lessons with time for legitimate practicing of skills two create ways for students to use academic vocabulary in meaningful ways within each lesson three build in time for review four build in opportunities for using resources i.e the reading notebook five create an expectation of accountability by expecting students to take charge of their learning and six assign respectful tasks next steps put these steps into place, put these things you've learned here, these tips into place, and then tag me at Miss Eva MissEvaMireles on Instagram, my favorite place to hang out, and let me know how it's going as you are helping students cross the bridge to independence. If you are needing some one-on-one coaching, then please click the link in the show notes to book a discovery call to see if we'd be a good fit. I would love to partner with you to further your goals. And if your school is looking for a literacy consultant to help them um, figure out all of the, th- the changing landscape in literacy, please also book a discovery call for them My Information link will be in the show notes so that we can partner together. Until next time. Thank you for taking a page from the Reading Teachers Playbook. If this episode resonated with you, please take the time to rate and review the podcast on Apple iTunes so others can find it too. And take a screenshot of this episode and tag me at Miss MissEvaMirelles on Instagram. Check the show notes for any links mentioned and hit subscribe so you don't miss a play from the Reading Teachers Playbook. See you in the next episode.